In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Inside the new mayor of Atlanta's first 100 days. Really, it's been about really just digging in, getting out into all aspects of the community, you know, sharing my vision. Welcome to a special edition of Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein, one of the political insiders here at the AJC, and one of the biggest stories of 2022 is what Mayor Andre Dickens will do now that he's in charge of the city of Atlanta. Last week, Dickens sat down with our inside City Hall reporters, J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles, to discuss how his first 100 days have gone and what's next. We'll hear that entire conversation in just a moment. But first, welcome back, J.D. and Will. Hello. Hello. So, Will, what were you most looking forward to in this interview? What, what was your biggest sort of uh, bur- most burning question? Honestly, I want to know uh, where he gets all his energy from. <laughs> the guy, this dude is everywhere, man. And, you know, he he acknowledged it. He said he's got a, a passion for the city. And, you know, everyone we spoke to for the uh, this article said the same thing. You know, he's a high energy guy. And uh, maybe it has something to do with his, his habit. He's working out at the gym early in the morning, like three or four times a week. So I don't know. Might be something to it. J.D., what was your most pressing question you had for the mayor? Yeah, I was really interested in, in his thinking around crime and, and the crime issue specifically uh, and what he's going to do with Chief Rodney Bryant, the police chief who Dickens uh, has kept on a 100-day contract. And so, you know, day 100 being Tuesday, which I believe uh, if you're listening to this, the day it's coming out is, is his 100th day. We're awaiting some news on that. And so we, we wanted to kind of get at uh, one kind of Mayor Dickens' philosophy around crime fighting uh, and kind of his perception of where things are. And he was pretty candid in terms of his thoughts, I thought. Um, I don't know, Will, if you would agree, but I, I thought he was pretty candid about how how frustrated he is with the continued rise in homicides. Um, and we also wanted to get at how he feels about um, Chief Bryant. And, and you'll hear in the interview, but uh, he kind of said, stay tuned on that one. But that was definitely my biggest question coming in. Stay tuned is the perfect phrase for this podcast. We do want to remind you that if this is your first time hearing this podcast, Please subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you can never miss an episode. And now, from his office at City Hall, here's the mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens, on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mayor Dickens, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. How, how are you feeling? We're coming up on your 100th day in office as mayor. Was it what you expected? How are you feeling? I feel great. Um, I feel like the city is... Um, Moving in the right direction, I am excited about our team. Um, you know, my team is coming to uh, to their own, and we've been h- making uh, significant hires. And uh, the city is on 
you know, seem to be energized and excited. Uh, spring is here. A lot of things that we've done in the first 90 days have taken notice, and uh, I feel good. I feel good overall. Yeah, how, how would you define your first 100 days? Kind of the, what are the themes that you say kind of have, have emerged there? Well, the f- busy, <laughs> uh, but really it's been about um, really just digging in. And I say uh, the first 90 days have been really about uh, getting out into all aspects of the community, you know, sharing my vision, receiving feedback and input, uh, making sure people um, get their quick, low-hanging expectations taken care of, like callbacks and, you know, um, accessibility, um, working with the city council, working with the state and county leadership. So being accessible, being very, um, you know, forthright about how I envision a city being an equitable place, one that we all thrive and work together. It's been um, well-received. And so it's, um, it's exciting to watch the city uh, respond so favorably to this message. Uh, when you campaign, you hear all these things, and then I regurgitate them and give folks back what they were expecting, and it's exactly um, consistent with who I am. So now it's been actually pretty good that every day is really um, a day that we must win that day. You know, you wake up the next day and win the next day, and it's always consistent with who I am as a person. Mayor Dickens, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's a typical day look like for you as the 61st mayor? You know, how does your day begin? You know, when you wake up, what time do you go to bed? Uh, what, who do you usually talk to on a daily basis? Yeah, so, um, you know, three out of four mornings I wake up and I go to the gym, the regular city gym right across the street here. Um, and, you know, they pick me up in the morning. We go to the gym, work out 45 minutes to an hour. I, you know, get dressed here and, and I start my day. Uh, every morning I talk to the police chief, myself, the COO, Lisa Gordon and Chief Bryant, talk about what happened the day before, what are our plans for this day, um, any significant things that we have to overcome, um, you know, challenges, et cetera. And then it's just off to the races of, um, you know, about 12 meetings or uh, appointments or events a day. Uh, A normal day might have three uh, announcements. You know, it might be doing something with Invest Atlanta, something with a park, like today, um, something at a school, uh, and then something dealing with our employees, whether that's going to a fire station, a police station, a Department of Transportation, um, you uh, you know, facility to look at equipment or talk to workers. Uh, so each day is just ongoing. And then I got you guys every now and then in, in the middle of that day, maybe 30 minutes here or there, phone call. Um, and then you get into community time. In the evenings, it's usually, you know, this group of individuals, whether they're an association, a nonprofit, or some group of, of some type, some church, some organization, those happen in the evenings as people get off work. So I got to hit a few of those. And then I get, um, you know, in there, they, they, they give me like minutes to eat. And usually at those, those later events, there's food. So I get to, you know, try to eat. Nobody lets me eat. They want to take pictures. So we pack up the food and I get home at about 9, 930. And then I eat and then I can have those phone calls that throughout the day, people have said, I just need 15 minutes. One of the most 
I wouldn't say surprising things, but the most frequent thing is, I know you're busy, but can I get 15 minutes? If if uh, you're on mute was the phrase of 2020, um, can I get 15 minutes with you? I know you're busy, but uh, can I get 15 minutes? And so I pick up those 10, 15 minute, you know, about three or four of those around the 9 to 10 p.m. time frame. And that may be something with the city attorney or something with a council member or something with, a, you know, some specific group or issue. I hit those 10, 15 minutes. And then I try to shut it off and um, kind of just be a person at home <laughs> until midnight. And then midnight, I get into bed and go to sleep and try to get back up and do it all over again. Wow, wow. Who do you usually consult with, uh, you know, when you need to make decisions, when, you know, among staff and what have you? Yeah, so, you know, that's the great thing about the staff that I brought on. You know, if it's state-related, it's uh, Kenyatta Mitchell. She's the director of intergovernmental affairs. She has a substantial history uh, under the Gold Dome. Every time we go over there, 12 times now, I've had interactions with the state, and she's always with me. So if it's state-related, something that somebody says, hey, there's a bill over there that's concerning, I'm talking to her about it. We break it down, and we figure out a way to, you know, you know, deal with it in a certain way that's best for the city. Um, if it's related to an operations, of course, the chief operating officer, Lisa Gordon, who is very capable and confident, and she is always on top of things. And then, you know, Courtney English, uh, that's like, you know, right hand. He goes, um, he goes in and out of all the departments and offices to be able to, you know, get solutions to issues that are pretty unique and acute uh challenges that we have. So, you know, he's, he's been there with me for the last eight years in one capacity or another. So he knows my history. So I can kind of fall back on him for a more thorough conversation about the vision and carrying it out. And then my chief of staff, Odie Donald, um, huge amount of relationships across the metro area and in DC from his experience. So I share a lot with him and um, he's definitely a, a cut to the chase person. And and last but not least, you know, the communications team. There's always something going on, whether it's media-related or something I'm trying to push out. So, you know, Brian or, you know, any member of the team. Um, but I must admit, I've been a council member for eight years, so it's hard for me to just stop at my senior executive level. And, you know, so every now and then I get to talk to a commissioner and say, hey, I just pop right in on that. Or I'll be all the way at a level that, you know, I talk to city workers. I, I, I know watershed department people. I know parks and rec people. I'm, you know, when I'm walking into a city rec center, I'm not talking to strangers. I'm high-fiving them, hugging them, and um, saying, hey, did we ever fix that piece of equipment that you gave me, you know, last year when I was a council member? I put money in to do that, and I'll have that conversation. So I guess I'm saying it's all up and down the 8,500 um, base of the employees. You mentioned, you know, your uh relationship with the state and going over there. And um, a big part of that was the Buckhead Cityhood movement, which is a huge moment in your first 100 yeah. days, the, the defeat of that. Um, and you, you know, fostered some really solid relationships with state leaders. Um, we, uh, you know, we didn't see you take as much of a public stand maybe on other Republican-led issues that maybe you and other city officials might have been against, like the, the permitless gun carry comes to mind as we're seeing a rise in, in gun violence in Atlanta. Yeah. Can you kind of shed some light on why uh, folks didn't see you be more of a public voice on those issues? And you kind of mentioned this, but were there like private meetings and maybe folks didn't see you? Or, yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so one, I am very proud of the work that we've done to make sure that we stay one city together. 
that we have Buckhead still in our city and that, you know, I made significant strides in relationships um, at the state legislature to be able to work with the, you know, all of the leaders, the speaker, the lieutenant governor, the governor, the Atlanta delegation, Republicans, Democrats. There's been Republicans that's been in this very room right here that I've invited over here to meet with me, as well as Democrats. And so across the board, you know, in a short amount of time to really have those relationships be solidified, be substantive, and for them to see us as um, as a viable uh, set of operators of this city, that took a lot of time. And that took a lot of uh, commitment to work together. And, you know, that work didn't come easy. It meant I had to go first sometimes. It meant I had to go often and maybe even sometimes go last. But I always was going to make sure that this team, like I mentioned, Kenyatta Mitchell, myself, we were going to be over there. Now, having said that, it takes a lot to start up a new organization, transition team, deal with the public safety challenges that we have, deal with the equity issues. And so while I'm focused on all of those things, I did make statements about my, my disagreement with this, um, uh, this uh, you know, open to carry law that has gone into effect. I wasn't supportive of it. But at the same time, you know, there's a number of other voices that were being utilized to push up against that. And mine was one. But I was hoping that many, many more voices were being added to that as I'm simply trying to start a city, uh, start, start a new, you know, transition to a new team, get that team underway. Um, I've made my points known about some of those uh, issues that didn't line up, particularly around voting laws. Um, I've done... Uh, you know, enough as it relates to making sure that we have free uh, elections and uh, easy access to the polls, as well as, you know, we're in a violent crime wave right now since the pandemic. And I don't believe that us having uh, more guns on the street is, is the solution. So in regards to the violent crime wave we're in right now, uh, you know, obviously folks are wondering what can be done to address this gun violence, especially as we're now seeing this recent um, trend of homicide victims being young people, being children, uh, how can we get that sort of thing under control? Yeah, um, if anything concerns me most is how you know, people haven't began to de-escalate their issues to resolve conflicts. Um, it's tearing at me at the core because of who I am as someone who uh, really believes in folks and really thinks that um, you know, my faith guides me, the morality of people, the humanity of things, and to see people, you know, take a bowling ball dispute and it ends in murder or an issue over some, you know, small infraction at a club or a bar or dispute, uh, you know, at, at someone's home, domestic issues. Um, these things concern me. Um, and so, while we're working on public safety from a police standpoint, from a you know three one one diversion and those issues, we really are still just talking about conflict resolution and uh, violence reduction, anti-retaliation. After these incidents happen, making sure that we give people out outs. How do you um, not go to the finality of an issue by pulling out a gun and shooting folks? Um, we're spending time on that, and we're, uh, that was what Peace Week was about. That literally just came from my soul. I was saying, hey, if we can just tell people how to affirm themselves, how to see themselves as part of community, how to learn how to have conflict resolutions, 
We did healing circles. We went to apartment complexes where there had been murders or issues of violence in the past. We talked to the um, leaders of those communities, you know, um, you know, trusted folks in those communities, as well as leasing offices, landlords. We've gone to clubs, which is why I'm standing up this nightlife division. So we're trying to get to the root causes of some of these crimes and violence. And the thing that does, you know, you know, the rest of the crime is coming down. Car theft is down. Break-ins are down. These type of things are crime. Numbers are coming down. But homicides, homicides are still on the uh, too high for me uh, and too high for our citizens. And so uh, we're spending a lot of time on that. And then as it relates to gun violence when with gangs and we've really stood up our repeat offenders task force so that we're going to get these folks out of the community um, that are really stirring up a lot of trouble and that they've just decided that their life is going to be filled with crime and we're saying not on these streets how do you balance this initiative these efforts to have additional policing and uh, punitive measures right with uh, some concerns among some folks that uh you know, this could affect some communities with over-incarceration. Yeah, I mean, from my, you know, time as an Atlantan, I'm 47 years old and most of my life has been here and being born and raised here, growing up here. What I know is that we don't want to over-incarcerate people, but we also don't want uh, people being shot and, you know, killed all across the city. And so the violent crime wave that we're seeing, citizens are saying enough is enough. Um, if you are up to your 13th and 20th cycle, then you definitely need to go sit down. You need to be imprisoned. And that penalty is because there's victims on the other side of each one of your actions, whether it was a robbery, whether it was an aggravated assault, or if it was a murder. There is a victim, and that victim has a family and a community that are all damaged and hurt because of this individual's actions. And so when we talk about over-incarceration, I, I, I see that as, you know, um, uh, offenses that are related to quality of life. Those things, we do need to have uh, our pad, our policing alternatives, right, and diversion techniques to get these people back into, you know, a good standing citizenship where they have opportunities to thrive. But an individual that has a, a, a track record in Cobb County, DeKalb County, Fulton County, Clayton County, all up and down the metro, we're going to find that person and we're going to make sure they come to justice because we don't need another victim on this person's hands. We're going to pause this conversation for just a second. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown. The Trump indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. 
This conversation is only part of our coverage of the first 100 days of the Andre Dickens administration and our constant coverage of the city of Atlanta. Subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution get access to the Inside City Hall newsletter written each Monday by Will and JD. So if you'd like to always know what's really going on, please go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and get unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents for your first month. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. Now, back to our interview with Mayor Andre Tickens. You know, you mentioned the nightlife division. Could you shed some light on what that's going to look like, how it'll work, how many people it might uh, involve staffing-wise yeah. when it might be stood up? Yeah, tell us a little more. Yeah, so we, uh, I'm excited about this. And the reason why is because nightlife is a significant part of who we are. I mean, we have conventions, uh, is a big part of our economy, sports, uh, entertainment is just a part of who we are. And Atlanta is just different. We're not, we don't have a Bourbon Street where it's just one place where people go. You have like 10, 12 districts in Atlanta where partying is happening, restaurants, bars, lounges. And that's unique, and people love that about us. People that live here and visitors, they find it attractive. And so we want to make sure that this division is about how to do uh, entertainment the right way, staffing uh, people that are uh, well-trained and well-prepared to handle conflicts, but also uh, how to manage people's um, Overindulgence, uh, if they're getting uh, too drunk, overintoxication, how do you manage that? Uh, the doorman, the uh, bouncers, the everybody in, in the club environment, managing the parking lots, the inside and the uh, surroundings of our nightlife. Even the environment from lighting, we're, lighting and cameras are all a part of what the nightlife division. So when I say 10,000 lights and night, light up the night, some of those are strategically located, it are going to be strategically located within our nightlife uh, corridors. And so the division, we've already hired the nightlife manager, and we're now standing up a team. That person is, we're taking um, applications to be able to find other individuals that can be a part of the, the outreach and the, um, and, and the coordination of going to these venues. Uh, we're starting with the venues that have had incidents of crime, and uh, whether those are shootings or stabbings or, unfortunately, murder. Those places we're starting with that this past weekend. So this past weekend, we were at bars and lounges talking to them and saying, here's what we have on record for what has happened in your place. What have you done to mitigate that? And what is your staffing level? What is your security plan? And we are going in there with fire, police, as well as um, code enforcement and our violence reduction team of course, as well as our nightlife. So the nightlife division has tentacles and outreach into other departments. So when we go, we go to the, all these spots with, a, with a, you know, a unified front. And will they be required to participate? And, uh, or is, will it be more a voluntary thing? Or is it, is it a kind of thing where if you don't participate, then we're going to take more of a, a hard legal route to, to crack down? Well, there's going to be, uh, we're looking at creating some legislation to give us a little bit more teeth. Um, right now, um, there are some some things that are there that we can utilize, but they don't have enough teeth to really incentivize the organizations to um, immediately take corrective action. Uh, if you take uh, the, one of the most noted uh, incidents that we've had, uh, we're still going on you know, months now of this place being shut down, but they are still being able to, they've been shut down, their lease has been terminated, but yet, still 
They still operate. And so we go in there and we find them. We, we have all these um, uh, court dates and these things. So it's a, it's a long, it's, it's too lengthy of a process when murder has occurred. Um, if someone cuts down a tree that they shouldn't cut down, you know, and they're trying to build a house, we have an immediate penalty for them. We have an arborist. We have a stop work order. We have these things. We don't have that. Uh, for our nightlife, where I think we'll be in a position to start moving in that direction. Wow. So when you became mayor, even before you became mayor, you you discussed how you wanted to put uh, Atlanta Police Chief Rodney Bryan on a 100-day contract, right, just to uh, assess how he's doing and, you know, if you want to keep him uh, going forward into your administration. Uh, Could you talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, what do you think, how you think he's been performing and do you think you're going to keep them or are you going to start a search for a new police chief? Yeah, so this is one of the most frequently asked questions around uh, police chief Bryant. And, you know, what's interesting about it is, you know, we I was the first and only candidate to say I was going to put him on a 100-day contract. And um, we're at day like 92, 93. So <laughs> we have seven more days on that contract. And, you know, I'm an engineer. So I'm data driven. And so I see some places where uh, crime has moved in the, uh, you know, it's being reduced in some areas. And in some instances of crime, we're making good progress. And then some areas of concern are still our homicides and acute areas around the city where I think we need to uh, do more enforcement and crack down on some things. And so uh, we talk about those each morning. And I've been, you know, very forthright with him about where we are in the process. So I think, um, you know, next week um, is the 100th day. So you guys come talk to me on that date and you'll see where we are. But in the meanwhile, you'll hear some announcements uh, forthcoming in the next uh, couple of days around some uh, some great moves that we're going to be making in the police department this week uh, in advance of what's going to happen next week. We're going to hold you to that next week. We're going to be checking in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the, the People's Town neighborhood. And for those who don't know, and of course you do, but that's uh, you know the neighborhood in southeast Atlanta where there's a few residents on one block where the city, uh, under the Reed administration, used eminent domain to demolish a bunch of homes because they wanted to build a retention pond there. A few residents wanted to keep their homes, stay in their homes. They're still there. They've been in a legal fight in the city for years. This is something that you promised to tackle within your first 100 days. I want to see what, what are, where do things stand with that? Because you said you want to help those people stay in their homes. Yeah, I mean, this is a significant um, issue right now that has come from two administrations into this administration. So it's... Um, it's a longstanding uh, issue. And so I've met with those families. I've met with um, them a couple of times and some of their intermediaries, their, um, you know, some of their advocates and supporters. Um, so it's one of those things where I was committed to making sure that there was an ev- eviction order. And we, I didn't think that any eviction should occur in these cold months while we're dealing with a number of other housing challenges, homelessness issues. And these people deserve to have, um, you know, their city make sure that we take care of them in the proper way. And so I've been, you know, having tons of meetings and working on, uh, you know, progress towards a solution that I think all will be satisfied with. This is such a complex issue. I can tell you. Um, it, you know, it's already been, you know, about 10 years in the making. So 
it's just tough and it takes a lot to work through it. But I also want to make sure that we are aware that there is a number of uh, stakeholders in this issue from the people that live on that land to the folks that surround that land to the city's need and requirement to reduce the flooding in that whole area. So I would say this has been one of the you know, one of the more difficult parts of being mayor is just making sure that you do things strategically but delicately because there are some sensitivities in this matter that are, uh, you know, long going and, uh, you know, still uh, worth my attention. Mayor Dickens, when we talk to folks and even obviously when we're following you around, it goes without saying that you have a, a lot of energy, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, I like, I, It's like you're like almost everywhere, man. And so uh, one thing... You even mentioned that uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church in uh, on MLK Day in January. Uh, I think you said that your administration in, is in like this honeymoon uh, uh, phase, and which is interesting because you know I've never been married, but obviously what you meant by that was you know people are still getting to know you, you're still getting to uh, adjust to this role. So a lot of people are uh, I don't want to use infatuated with you, but there is this energy that um, it may only be temporary because you you know you are the new mayor. Um, how will that, well, so this is a two-pronged question. Uh, what is the motivation behind uh, this high energy that you have to be active and present everywhere? And after this honeymoon phase ends, um, how do you think this energy of yours will affect uh, your relationships with people down the road when you do have to make those tough decisions? Yeah, I mean, I do have a lot of energy. And for me, it's about love. And so love... My pastor has always said, love ought to look like something. It ought to look like it. And for me, my love for Atlanta, it makes me want to be with Atlanta 24 hours a day, want to help Atlanta, want to solve the problems. And when I say Atlanta, I'm talking about Atlanta and the people of the city. And so my, my energy comes from love. It comes from that same love that you have when you just love on this person. You stay on the phone all night and you got to see them the next morning and then you want to have lunch with them, want to have dinner with them. That's me in this city. It is a all day on, you know, ongoing love affair. And so when you see me out, you know, at 12 events and running back and forth and having meetings with people, um, I'm present of mind in each of those encounters that this may be the only interaction they have ever had with the mayor. This may be the only interaction that they've had with somebody who shares their love with the city. And I am, you know, high-fiving kids, hugging grandmas, and I'm also making sure that our city employees know that we are in the business of serving this city together, that I won't be outworked by any human on this earth. And so um, my honeymoon is one filled with love, and I'm going to let it last for as long as as forever, let it last as long, long as y'all have me. And so I'm keeping it going. And, uh, you know, we hit, we hit a hundred days. 101 is another, another day of love with the ATL. (laughs) And as we wrap up, is there anything you weren't able to get to in these first 100 days, uh, that, that you now want to tackle and kind of on that same note, anything else that we can expect moving forward, uh, coming up soon in terms of your priorities for this first year? (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I, I have done a a whole lot of making sure that in each area that I think is absolutely critical for the first hundred days, you know, it's on the table and we've looked at it at least. And we started, whether that's a team to work on it or the hundred day, you know, transition team, which is a significant group of 40 people across the city that are giving me input. We're going to have their report in your hands uh, once it's done. So, 
I've been, you know, really getting a lot of feedback and input uh, on all areas. Now, you know, my pension for doing is, you know, reports are good. Uh, data and analysis is occurring and some areas we have been able to do like money for small businesses like you know you know solving issues related to crime and public safety like you know things uh, that we're announcing around early childhood education uh, partnerships with APS stopping bucket so we've had a substantial substantial number of things that we've done um, so I haven't got a chance to count anything that we haven't done but I know anything that that is out there is already on the table and we're working on a strategy and a plan to get it done. Yeah. Anything else? No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by our relationship with the press, encouraged by the amount of times uh, we get a chance to see each other. Um, this is a, the, my solutions for Atlanta involves the press. It involves the clergy. It involves nonprofits. It involves business and schools. So everybody's got a role to play to be able to hit these really aggressive um, you know, outstanding goals that I have. And I think that everybody's playing their role and I'm excited by it. I'm going to do my job for sure. We appreciate it all. We'll do the same. Thanks Thank so much, Mayor Dickens. Appreciate right. it. Thank y'all. Well, welcome back, JD and Will. So what's next for you guys now that we're, we've crossed the 100-day threshold and now the mayor, you know, he, has, he, has, he doesn't have to worry about city of Buckhead, at least this year, <laughs> but he has plenty of other challenges as we heard. JD, uh, what are you looking forward to covering in the next few months? Yeah, one thing that uh, the mayor talked about during that interview that we got some more details on was the new nightlife division within his office that he's setting up to institute uh, some new enforcement over nightclubs that you know have been the site of uh, crime and that sort of thing. So looking to see how the rollout of that goes, uh, as well as his kind of promise to overhaul city services and permits. Uh, it sounds like kind of, you know, boring stuff, but for the Atlanta residents I talked to, that's super high on their list in terms of just getting the city working for its citizens again, uh, you know, making it easier to get a building permit or a business permit or, you know, just pay a parking ticket online, little stuff like that, um, that the mayor has has said that he wants to audit and fix. And so I'm really going to see if he falls through on those, those promises and is able to make quick fixes to the city's, you know, services. And will... You know, beyond the nightlife division, which I think was our most popular story of the week, probably. Um, but beyond that, I mean, what what are you looking at very closely in the next few months of Mayor Dickens' administration? Yeah, so the mayor uh, made this really interesting announcement during his State of the City speech where he said he wanted to uh, uh, have the city invest $20 million into early childhood education. And so obviously... Um, Right now, uh, I believe we're in spring break, right? I haven't been in school for a while. <laughs> but obviously, you know, uh, it'd be interesting to see how school officials react to this uh, once everyone's back in class and what have you. And I'd like to see what he does with that. I mean, obviously, he's a girl dad, right? So, um, you know, making sure that children are educated and, and that they have the um, opportunities to succeed is dear to his heart. But also, um, children need to be safe. So um, to JD's point, yeah, how is the nightlife division going to work? And beyond that, how is this crime plan going to work? Because there are concerns about uh, among some folks uh, about whether, um, you know, we could be arresting too many people or if we do end up arresting too many people. And he says, you know, he's 47 years old and he's a, a native Atlantan. So he 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 just wants to make sure uh, repeat offenders aren't uh, out here, um, you know, creating more victims. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles all of this. It will. And we know that you two will be all over every development under City Hall, under 
under City Hall? At Atlanta City Hall. Inside, <laughs> inside City Hall. Inside City Hall. <laughs> that, was, that was my cue for you guys, right? Under the Gold Dome and Inside City Hall. Well, new episodes of this podcast come out every Wednesday and Friday. So we will talk to you then on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,